Well, good morning. Welcome to Faith Church. Glad you are with us. If you're kind of new around here, uh, my name's Matthew, one of the pastors, and it's a joy to get to share the scriptures with you today. If you have a copy of the scriptures, join me in Colossians chapter 1. You can, whether you've got them in printed form, digital form, want to follow along on the screens, uh, go ahead and get ready to do that. Uh, Colossians 1 verse 21 is where we'll be here in just a second. And as we read the scriptures, we just want to meditate and think about them. And I want to encourage you as we read the scriptures today, uh, to grab a pen, or if you can on your digital device, highlight phrases, sentences, words that kind of are echoing in your heart just a little bit uh, so that you can go back, look at the scriptures yourself later on uh, this week, and you can, in your own time, kind of think back through on the scriptures themselves uh, as well. We've been talking uh, and, and studying through the book of Colossians as a church. And looking at some essentials to living a Christian life. And last week we talked about how Jesus is essential. And it's Jesus over everything. And uh, we, we talked last week about how Jesus has the power to change everything. And Jesus is the priority that we want to choose over everything. And, and I love that idea of him being the priority that we choose, right? This is why uh, for, for those of us in the room and those of us who have made time in our homes to, to stream uh, the service today, we are choosing the priority of being gathered with the body of Christ. It's a priority that we're, we're choosing. Priorities are things that we choose first. We're choosing these things. First, I saw uh, something online this week that said, uh, we'll do anything for our kids, but we won't like change our habits so that we live a healthier life and live longer. Like we'll do anything for our kids, but we won't get uh, a talk to a dietitian about eating healthier lives. Like, and I and I started thinking. Obviously, it was a trying to probably sell some exercise program or something helpful in that way. And uh, but it got me thinking about our lives, how we say things like I'll I'll do anything for my kids, I'll do anything for my family, but I won't model what it looks like to live a repentant life. I'll do anything for my kids, but I won't make sure they're in church. I'll give them every opportunity to have every experience in this world, but church won't be the priority. It'll just be... I saw a stat this week that said um, something like 90-something like percent of a, a region, and area, claim to be Christians. Like they claim to be church goers, or they claim that they attended church. A large percentage of people said, I, I go to church. But when you drill down, what they mean by I go to church is uh, that they attend uh, just under four times a month, or one time every four weeks, which equals out to, to be like 12 times a year, although there are 52 opportunities every year to gather. If you just do it 12 times out of 52, people are calling it, that's what I do. I think it's a, 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 a rough way to identify a, a healthy relationship. <laughs> I'm not sure how my wife would feel if I only talked to her once every 12 days. I'm not sure how that would go for me. Right? If, if, that's not really a priority in that space. And it's not about church attendance. I, I just thought it was interesting how we will say things like, I will do anything for 
my family, but I don't want to go see a counselor to get better in my marriage. I'll do anything, but I won't. But yet we still don't do the things that actually help us prioritize what we say we would do anything for. When it comes to the reality that I believe Jesus changes everything, he begins to change everything as he becomes the priority that we choose over everything. There's something about this essential truth that Jesus changes everything. And this is what I want us to look at a little bit more today is how is it that Jesus changes everything? Paul is picking up this thought in Colossians 1, starting in verse 21. He he says this, this includes you who were once far, far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and your actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Paul is reminding them and reiterating to them a truth that Jesus is fully God, divine and spiritual, uh, the, 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 the ruler of all. He is a spiritual being. He is, he is a divine Elohim. He is God. But he also came as a man. And his death was a death of a physical nature, not just a spiritual thing. Like, like when he died on the cross and was buried in the grave, he was like dead, dead. And then three days later, he like rose, rose. And is now living, living. Right? Like that was a physical and bought, like it was a, it happened physically. Has spiritual implications, but it was a physical thing too. He goes on to say this, as a result, he brought you into his own presence. Like God Almighty brings you into his very presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Now, Paul is not saying that when you receive Jesus, you never sin again and you never need to make repentance. That's not what he's saying. Nor is the Apostle Paul saying that just because Jesus died, which we believe, that anybody and everybody automatically gets to go before God and go to heaven one day. That, you, that everybody, if you are living and breathing, you automatically, in other words, he's not advocating for universalism. In other words, not everyone spends eternity with God. There are people who will spend eternity apart from God. In fact, Jesus said, um, there's more people that that's going to occur and happen to than what you might think. Because Jesus says the way to the kingdom and the way to life eternal is very narrow and few find it. So he's not advocating for some universalism. He's letting you know, though, that if you have received Christ and you've been reconciled with Christ, then you who were an enemy with God have now become a child of God. That, that man, there's something that's happening in you and you get to stand in the very presence of God and he calls you holy and blameless, not because of your good deeds, but because of what Christ has done for you and your belief and faith in that. He says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away. Somebody say, don't drift away. Don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard the good news 
The good news that has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Verse 24, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. Now, Paul was talking about like being imprisoned, being beaten, being uh, treated poorly because he claimed Jesus as Lord and not Caesar as Lord. He, he was being treated, he was suffering physically, and notice that he was saying, what's happening to me in my body is actually something I'm doing for you and for the body of Christ. In other words, what happens in your life doesn't just impact your life, it actually impacts the body of Christ. So, so our actions and our life and our faith, it doesn't, it's not just about you individually having faith. You individually loving God correctly. You individually believing in God. It's about us recognizing that what we do impacts and influences other people. That, that when we choose Christ as a priority, when he begins to change us, that his power changing us actually has a ripple effect to impact other people. He goes on to say, but God has given me this responsibility of serving his church. Somebody say responsibility. Serving his church. We're going to talk about that next week. By proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past. But now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know the riches of glory of Christ are for you. Somebody say for you. They are for you, the Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Here it is. Christ lives in you. You're not just merely a person living in this world. No, no, no. But because you've been reconciled to God, Christ, through the Holy Spirit, lives in you. That's the good news, he says. And this gives you the assurance of sharing in his glory. So, so, if that's all true, we tell others about Christ. Why? Because when you have something good happen to you, you're really quick to tell other people about it, don't you? Right? Just read Facebook. When ki people's kids start doing good things, you start telling everybody about it. When good news happens, like when the Chiefs win later today, it's going to fill the air. Good news. Good things are happening. We're going to celebrate. Amen. I'm going to need a little more faith in the room. Amen. Okay, I'm just, just made sure I was in the right place for a minute. He, he says, We've got to tell other people about it. We can't keep this a secret anymore. God lives in you, and he wants to live in other people, so you better be telling somebody about the good news that Christ now lives in you too, because it's for you too. And he says, and we want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. There is something that must be proclaimed and told. Here is the essential truth I want us to see today. It's that Jesus changes everything because he reconciles people to their creator. 
their creator. When God created the world, he created it in a way that we, humanity, would have a relationship and walk in partnership with him, ever expanding the footprint of the kingdom of God. The, 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 the garden and the habitation of God would always be filling the earth, but sin crept in and created a separation and a defragmentation and a brokenness that began to permeate all of human experience. We became separate in our relationship with God, where in the very beginning, God intended for humanity to walk with him in, in whole, complete, unashamed, fully known relationship. Sin came in and broke that, separating us then from God. And, and all the while, Jesus shows up on the scene thousands of years later to take this fragmented relationship and reconcile us back to God so that we can be united with God yet again. Why? Because you were made to be in and contain the very presence of God. But you were born apart from God without his presence, not in his family, as an enemy separated from God. And it takes Christ to reconcile us back to the creator. And Jesus changes everything because he's at work to reconcile people with their creator. Now, this word reconcile is, is a word that you've probably heard before, but let me give you a definition of the word reconciliation from a biblical or a Bible dictionary. Listen to this definition as we kind of expound on this a little more. Reconciliation is a change in relationship or attitude from enmity to peace. The cessation of hostility and attitude or action Reconciliation is a central doctrine of Christianity, specifically that in Christ, God reconciled the sinful, hostile world to himself by Christ taking upon himself the cost of our hostility and enmity, thereby setting the world free to restore union with God. The foundational assumption of the gospel is that only God, can bear and remove the consequences of human enmity towards God and the resulting separation from God. Therefore, God through Christ alone can affect this change in relationship status. Now, in there, you, you heard a word that you probably haven't used maybe ever in a sentence, and it's the word enmity. The word enmity means the state or feeling of being actively opposed, hostile to someone or something. Why, why am I articulating that? Be because as we read in Colossians 1, verse 21, you were born, I was born in a state far away from God. You were born in enmity, not union with God. You and I were born in brokenness and sin. You and I were born separated from God. You and I were born, as the scripture says, an enemy of God. You were not born a child of God. You must be born again, Jesus says, to experience the welcoming and the adoption of becoming a child of God. Th 
this, this idea of, of opposition of God. I know some of you are like, but I'm not a mean person. I try to be kind to people. Great. Being kind to people doesn't restore the broken relationship with God Almighty. I, I, I really want to leave the world a better place and I really want to try and, and I came to church and I've done these things and that's, that's wonderful, it's good. I'm really glad. That doesn't fix the broken relationship. It, only God, through the person of Christ, can repair the relationship that you were always intended to have with God himself. In other words, we were all born opposite direction of God. We were born moving in sin where Christ and his holiness is all over here. And so we're, we're moving in our life of sin. We're living in our own lives. We're doing our, the best we can. We're trying to leave the world a better place. We're trying to, to, to be kind to the people. We want to leave the planet in a better place. We're doing all of the things that, that humanly we, we know we ought to do, but that's still an opposite direction of where God is. And so we're living in this way and Christ comes into the world to tap us on the shoulder and to begin to create an awareness that our life isn't flourishing the way God wants our life to flourish. He comes and taps us on the shoulder and says, no, 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 you have a lot of money in your bank account, but that doesn't provide security for your eternity. And create, he creates this word. No, 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 no. You, 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 you have a great family and you're loving and you have a lot of friends, but that doesn't fix the loneliness that you feel deep in your soul. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're living in this way. You've been kind to other people and you've been hoping that what goes around comes around and so you're only putting good out into the world and you're trying to live the best life you possibly can and live in this way, but something inside of you says you're still insecure, you're still broken, and you're still confused and only God can restore the life that you were created to live. And he creates this awareness of our own depravity, our own sin, of our own brokenness, of the own mess that we make of things as best as we try. And this awareness leads us to a repentance and an acceptance that the only way to get to God is to turn our lives and to turn our attention and to turn our affection and move it back towards God. And in Christ Jesus, he comes and he turns us around so that we can see the Father. And now he begins to lead us step by step in faithful loyalty to him to move us back into a relationship with Jesus that God says he's come to make it perfect and whole. Because you and I were born opposed from God, apart from God. And he wants to create and restore in us. He wants to wipe us clean through Christ, through what Christ did at the cross and, and our belief in him. What he does is he gives us a whole new operating system. He wants to give that to you so that you move from like the, the evil, sinful, ugly, clunky, uh, full of viruses and bugs, Android operating system. <laughs> and give you an upgrade to a secure clean, simple, beautifully designed Apple software. <laughs> like he, like they aren't the same at all. And when Christ comes, he gives you a new life so your life isn't the same at all. That's what 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 16, is trying to tell us. L look at the scripture. So we have stopped evaluating ourselves from a human point of view. Are you a good person, a bad person? Do you do good or do you do evil? 
because the knowledge of good and evil is the very fruit that separated us from God to, very, to begin with. And so, so we stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely as a human point of view. Oh, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. This is what we celebrate in water baptism. That you are burying the old operating system of sin and sinfulness and the identity of being an enemy of God. And you have, through Christ, are being raised to new life, a 2.0 version of life in this world, to where Christ is now living in you, and you have a new operating system called the life of the Spirit of God that lives in you. This is what we're celebrating. This is the miracle that takes place in water baptism. This is old is gone and new life has begun and all of this is a gift from God who what? Who brought us back to himself through Christ? Why, why would we need to be brought back to God? Because you were born separated from God and we had to be brought back into right relationship with God and he's given us this task of reconciling people to him for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he's given us this wonderful message of reconciliation. You and me have a message to proclaim. Have an assignment. What is that assignment? Verse 20, so we are Christ's ambassadors. Somebody say ambassadors. God is making his appeal to come back to Christ through our lives. We speak for Christ when we stand and plead with people, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Friends, this is really good news. This is the miracle of salvation. This is the, the miracle of receiving the life of Christ. And we've been given an assignment. One of, uh, we, we have five mindsets here as a church. And these mindsets are, you, you could say, are, are our essentials for, for how we live and move and operate. Some things that are really central to who we are. Our mindsets. And one of our mindsets here at Faith Church is that we are for people. We are for people. We want to move towards people. We want to help people. We want to serve people. But, but when we say we are for people, here's what we're saying, is that we are on an assignment. And that assignment is to be an ambassador that represents the kingdom of God everywhere we go. That we want to be people that bring the message that they were far from God but can be restored to God. That we are for people, that, that people who live and breathe and move among us like us and different than us need to know this Jesus and can be restored to a perfect whole, made right, a complete relationship with him. 
We, we are commissioned to be these ambassadors on, the assi- on assignment who bring the kingdom with us. Our motto as a church is that we bring faith to life. We bring it. And what do we mean by that? That we bring our allegiance to Jesus in such a way that we recognize that everywhere we go, we want to be loyal to Jesus and his kingdom. That in the conversations that we have, we want to represent the heart of God and we want to represent the kingdom of God. We bring God's kingdom with us. Everywhere we go, we represent God. You are a brand ambassador for the most high God. You're the brand ambassador to talk about and represent God in your school. In the hallways of your school, represent the kingdom of God. When you're talking with your friends about life, the life that God is changing, how do you represent a right relationship with God? Not, not more social clout, not more followers, not, not the insecurities, but it's, it's Jesus and what he's doing in your life. We're, we're, we're called to bring the kingdom into the locker rooms. We're called to bring the kingdom into Walmart. We're called to bring the kingdom of God and, and represent this reconciled relationship to Jesus to the golf course. I'm just preaching to myself for a minute. Into our business, wherever you work, you're called to bring the kingdom of God. That people see what it looks like for somebody to be changed and reconciled back to God. To look at a person who's been radically transformed like, what is happening to you? Jesus lives in me. And that's changing everything about me. We bring the kingdom into to small groups. We bring the kingdom into our own brokenness. We bring the kingdom into other people's brokenness. We bring the kingdom into the sin that we keep habitually having and and we allow the kingdom to transform it over and over and over again, being set free from those things. We are for people because we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Friends, we are for people, don't miss this, because Jesus is for people. Jesus came for humanity. And we want to partner with him and be for people because Jesus is for people. We we, we want to be for people. The, The full mindset that we have written on our wall out there as a church is this, that we are for people, expanding our circles, making room for more people to belong, Loving others like Jesus. It's up on the screen. Would you, would you say that out loud with me so that we kind of get this in our hearts? We read it? Ready? Let's read it. We are for people, expanding our circle, making room for more people to belong, loving others like Jesus. If we're going to be for people, that means we have to be willing to expand the circle of our life to allow other people to come into our life. And this is why we talk about coming to a connect group. You get in a connect group and then you invite other people to come into the connect group with you. This is why when we started the Bible recap, 
this year. And as a church, we're challenging you to, to read the Bible more this year than you've ever read it before. And we wanna give you a, help, help, help you follow along in a reading plan that's got a great overview and recap video to, to understand what it is that you just read so that no matter where you're at in studying the scripture, if you're brand new to it or you've been doing it for a long time, you, you're able to catch the, the main idea of what the scripture's saying. The reason why we say, hey, why don't you invite someone to read the Bible plan with you and to talk about it with them, to expand your, your time in the word, to not just be all about you, but to be about others too. It's because we're four people. And we want to expand to help others come along. When, when we talk about expanding, we, we mean very literally. Like We've expanded every inch that we possibly can in this facility to make room for people to show up and encounter Jesus. Like, so, so instead of just having seating down here, we have really awkward seating up in balconies. And we put, the, we put TVs up there so that you can watch, the, you can still see what's going on and, and you're there. We, we, we work really hard to create a room, uh, a family worship room, because people still want to come to church, but maybe their kids are, are a little fussy or, or not really ready for, for children's ministry. Or, man, they're just sick, but man, everybody else wanted to come to church. And so you're like, ah, we're just going to be in the family room and create a space that try to make it as comfortable as possible. But this is why we keep sp expanding spots in our sanctuary so that kids have plenty of room to interact with other kids and learn about Jesus in a way that they can understand it. And they can hear things that are like G-rated and not hear Pastor Matthew say words that are not G-rated sometimes. We, we continually are expanding and trying to create those opportunities to help people discover Jesus so that they can be reconciled to Jesus too. We, we make room. How many of you, and, and I want you to, to, to be bold and honest and, 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 and participate in this, how many of you came to Faith Church because somebody invited you at some point to come to this church? Hands up. Hands up, keep them up, keep them up, hands up high, hands up high. You're here because somebody invited you. Look around the room. The majority of the room is here because somebody invited you to come. Go ahead and put your hands down. You know how more people who aren't following Jesus in our region are going to meet Jesus at Faith Church? It's because you decided to share and invite people into your life, into your world, and say, hey, why don't you come along and help, let me help you get to know this Jesus too. What, what somebody has done for you, you have the opportunity to do for someone else. Why? Because we're four people. We want to make room for them. So we make room in our schedules, and we make room in our, in our city, and, and we're willing to tell them about what it is that we know. Look at, look at verse 28. Colossians 1.28, we, we read it earlier. It says this, So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us. You could read that as like, I have all the wisdom that I need, and now I'm ready to tell people. You could read it that way. Or, or what if he's just saying, what is it that you've learned and received? Why don't you share that with somebody else? Well, I don't know everything. Yeah, welcome to the club. Me either. It might make you a little nervous. I don't know. I don't know at all. I'm still learning. I'm still living as an apprentice to Jesus, learning about God through his word. What have you learned about God? 
you can share that with somebody else. You want to know why we grow stagnant in our life and we don't continue to grow in our knowledge of God and our relationship with God doesn't flourish? Are you ready? Here's why. Because you don't give away what you've already received. Because the way that the kingdom of God expands in your life is you use what he's already given you in your life. This is the principle all throughout scripture. It's easiest to understand in the concept of money, but I'm going to also make the link to you in the area of knowledge and understanding. You can never outgive God. Because God says he will always give seed to the sower, which means if you're a sower, you'll always have seed to sow. But if you don't feel like you got seed to sow, it's because you stopped sowing. And when we stop giving what we've received, we start to hoard, and what we hoard, we begin to choke out. So when it comes to the life of God and the ways of God and the truth of God and the flourishing life of God, when you've received knowledge from God, but you're not sharing that with anybody else, you are no longer being a disciple maker. You're just being a discipleship consumer. One of the best ways to retain knowledge is not just by hearing it, not just by reading it, not just by writing it, and not just by saying it. When you really retain information and understand a concept is when you start to teach it to somebody else. You want to know one of the reasons why I continue to grow in my knowledge of God? Because I continue to share with other people what I'm learning about God. Who are you telling about God and what you've learned? If you want to grow, if you want to develop, if you want to flourish, it's time to start sharing what God has done in you with others. Start teaching other people what you do know about God. C come on, jump into the Bible recap with me. Let's learn about God together. Let, right? These are, this is how we grow. We expand because we're four people, and we expand because we're, we're doing it for other, for other people. You will never run out when you live a life being willing to be poured out. Does it have to be refilled? Absolutely. But Jesus said he will always give seed to the sower. I'm, I'm always willing to sow the truth of God's word to somebody else because I'm always wanting to reap a harvest on more knowledge of who God is myself. Something happens when you invite somebody to church and you see them get baptized months later. It does something. It's, it feeds your soul in a whole new way. Who can you invite to church? To invite along in this journey. Invite them to, to come alongside and be reconciled to God. And we do it by loving others like Jesus. Now, this word love has become a convoluted word in our world. How did Jesus love? He loved sacrificially, not selfishly. He loved in the power of the Holy Spirit because he was full of grace but he also loved because he helped them see a true reality that they weren't aware of yet. He loved grace and truth. What's not in that is tolerance or, or celebrating of your own opinion of what you believe truth is, living your own truth. That's not the love of God. Friends, we, we want to love people like Jesus loved them because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. 
But I think it's important that we recognize how Jesus loves so that we actually love like Jesus. And, and one of the ways that we do that is help people become aware of the reality. You were born an enemy of God. And there is no hope in your life apart from you surrendering to Jesus so that you can become reconciled to God. There is only one way. It's Jesus. Throughout, throughout the ages, I said that we, we have a tendency to like um, kind of hijacked words because we think we know what they mean or we like what we think they mean. And so we, we use them in all sorts of ways. Like again, like love, that's one that we use like all the time to like, we love the pizza that we eat, we love God and we love our mom. And somehow those are all the same. Like it's just kind of, and I was telling uh, Pastor Clayton this week, I was like, I, I just realized that over the last um, probably year or so, I've just really been trying to pay attention to words that I use to make sure I use the right words when I need to use them. Like, here, here's another one. Uh, we say, like, oh, well, you just need to give that person some grace. Well, grace, I believe, is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to transform our life. It's the presence of God in us. It's his unmerited favor. Like, you don't deserve the presence of God, but he invites you into the presence of God. That's grace. But when we say grace, what we mean is, like, well, let him, just permissiveness, maybe. Maybe we say grace, and what we really mean is Kindness. When we say grace, sometimes what we mean is like, we'll just let them do whatever they want and hope that it's all okay in the end because God loves us all anyways. We're all children of God anyways. Sometimes when we say grace, we, we don't really know what we mean. Maybe we actually mean forgiveness. And what we need to say is, man, you need to forgive them, not give them grace. And we would have a whole lot less bitterness in our lives if we stopped trying to give people grace and give them forgiveness, which is actually what they need. And because we don't really understand certain things, we don't live those things all the, all the way out. Here's, here's one. As a church for years, uh, we had a little phrase that we would say uh, that we are for you, hashtag for you. And we still use that, but now we have to like put the qualifier like faith churches for you because social media decided to start using for you for all sorts of things. And now when people search the hashtag for you, they're going to find things that aren't necessarily about Jesus. We're like, ah, we don't really want to be associated with that. We got to kind of reuse the terms. And so we use a little bit different of a hashtag. Here, here's another one. You belong. Oh, I love that phrase. Oh, you belong. The, the, the problem is when what we were saying you belong is like we wanted to remind those of us who have given our lives to Jesus, I want you to remember that you belong in the presence of God because you're part of the family of God. But what gets lost over time is what we often were saying, hey, you can belong, meaning um, everyone belongs in the family of God. But as we read today and we've heard before, that's not necessarily true. When we say, hey, you belong, what, what people were hoping we meant was like, we're tolerant and accepting of anything and everything and whatever truth you decide to, to lump in with Jesus, then that counts too. And that's just not... It's not really what we mean. Belonging is not about acceptance of sinful living. It is, though, about adoption into a new family through our repentance and reconcil Christ's reconciliation. When we say you belong, what we're trying to remind you is like you can belong to the family of God. 
You might not be in the family of God right now, but you can be if you want to be. And it also, one of the beautiful things that it did, it helped our church become very like welcoming and loving and kind and warm. Like, like as long as I'm the pastor here, we're going to have people at the door who know how to smile. If they start growling at you, we're going to help them find another place to serve. Like just, like one of the things that people describe about coming into faith church is like they were scared, they were worried, they weren't sure, but, but when they showed up, they just felt just loved and welcomed and like just a sense of warmth. And that's important because we want to love people like Jesus loved them. We, we want people to feel warm and, and we want them to feel like, man, this is a safe place for me that no matter where I'm starting, I can take a step towards God. And we will always be a church that wants to meet you where you're at and help you take a step towards God from the place that you start. But we recognize that while we want you to be incredibly comfortable and, and just a strong sense of safety in this place, I hope you know around Faith Church, you will always be challenged and poked and prodded to take a step beyond where you started. Because where we all started is an enemy of God bound for hell. And where I want you to go is to a whole rich, flourishing relationship and life with God in every area of your life. So we say you can belong and you can belong to the family of God. But there's only one way to belong to the family of God. And it starts with this awareness of our own sinfulness and repentance that allows us to be adopted and brought in so that we can now move in right relationship with God Almighty. This is the heartbeat of who we are. We are for people because Jesus is for people. We are for people being reconciled to their creator because Jesus is for people reconciling back to the creator. And we don't want to live our lives in a space. I am committed and I am giving my life to this cause to be an ambassador until this region looks like heaven, we're not done. That's a great place to say amen. Until all of Fort Scott and Nevada and Uniontown and every other region in our area looks like heaven, we're going to expand, we're going to expand our circles, we're going to keep inviting people, and we're going to preach Jesus till the paint falls off the walls. We are all about downsizing the population of hell and increasing the population of the family of God. And we recognize that it's something that we have to continue in, to stand firmly in, to be fully convinced of that we have an assurance that we belong in the presence of God because we have given our loyalty and allegiance to Jesus as king and he has helped turn us around and adopted us into his family. That he brought us into his presence. God brings us into his presence because of Jesus and declares you holy and blameless. So when you walk in to the gathering of the people of God, you don't have to come feeling ashamed. You can know that you're a son and a daughter because you've put your faith in Jesus. Just showing up to church isn't full faith in Jesus. That's a step. That's great. That's wonderful. 
that so many of us are in church and we're still walking in a direction away from God. We have to come to a place of repentance and we recognize, wait a second, I'm I'm an enemy of God. I'm not even living the way of God. My, My relationship with God is not whole. It's not been right. It's not been there. I haven't done that, but Lord Jesus, help me turn around and I want to walk in your direction, Jesus. I want to be reconciled to the Father. I want to stand firm with the Father. Friends, I want us to realize that we've been adopted. That Jesus invites us to be an apprentice to him. And that we can be ambassadors on assignment to bring reconciliation, not just to our world, not just to our life, but to the people around us and invite them to come with us as we decide to turn and move towards Jesus wherever our starting point is, wherever it is. Faith Church, our our mission is that we would bring faith to life, helping people take their next steps to belong to the family of God, become a disciple, I just rephrase that for us we want to help bring faith to life helping people take steps to be adopted into the family of God to apprentice to Jesus and to live as an ambassador bringing reconciliation in the world around them this is who we are as a people this this is essential for us why because I was born an enemy of God but now I've been made right with God. I've been given a new life in Christ. Why is this our mission? Because we're four people, because Jesus is four people. And Jesus wants to see other people reconciled to him. So we want to give all of our energy and our effort to helping others encounter this Jesus. Would you stand with me as we come to a moment of just reflection and response? you bow your heads just for a minute just begin to quiet your own inner world for a second take a couple deep breaths and just be still here relationship with God been made whole? Do you feel reconciled to God? Have you received the life of Christ living in you? If you haven't, today can be that day. You can simply take a moment and declare, Jesus, you are Lord. I'm a sinner and I need you to make me whole. I give you my life. Have you had your life made whole? You you know you're in the family of God, but you haven't been helping others grow in this. I've been inviting people to come along. You've just kind of been about yourself. Today is God expanding your eyes to see other people and recognizing that what God has done in you isn't just for you, it's actually to impact other people too. 
So Lord, today we would just simply say, would you open our eyes to see other people? Would you give us the courage to invite other people along into our journey? God, would you help us to be people who always make room for others to encounter you? Lord, I thank you that here in this moment we're being reminded that because of Jesus and our faith, our our loyalty to him, our belief in him, that you're allowing us to stand in your presence. And we don't have to hide in shame. We can actually run to you when we've messed it up. And you wipe us and you wash us and you restore us and you empower us to do it different. Lord, we just say thank you, Jesus, that you change everything. So, Lord, continue to change us, to represent and reflect you everywhere we go. May we bring your kingdom everywhere. We pray this in the name of the Father who loves us, the Son who's died for us, name of the Holy Spirit who abides within us, we pray. Amen. Two things. One, if you're here and kind of making some move towards God or God's stirring in your heart, or maybe you're facing just a challenge, a difficulty, we would love the opportunity just to pray with you and help you navigate this moment, just encourage you a little bit. Our team to my left, your right, they'd love to do that as soon as we dismiss. Number two, next Sunday is water baptism. If you're somebody who has given your commitment and the loyalty to Jesus, and, but you've never gone through the public celebration ceremony, I challenge you, consider taking that as your next step. It's a great thing to do. Solidify something in you. Gives you some assurance to look back at it and say, no, no, I've been baptized into the family of God. I am who God says that I am. It does something in you. So if you're interested in it, talk to our team out in the lobby. They'd love to help you take those steps and give you information. Can we speak blessing over one another today? I really hope today's message was life-giving. As a church, we want to help you encounter God and take another next step in your allegiance to Jesus. I want to ask you to take a step right now, in fact. Would you just share this message with a friend? Maybe post it on your social, text a coworker the link. Just be sure to include something that you learned or how it impacted you personally. When you do that, you get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in someone else. And don't forget to visit our central hub, faithchurchks.org. You'll find other next steps that you can take in your faith, including giving and partnership with us as we help others encounter Jesus like you've encountered him. Hey, we love you. And until we get to hang out again, remember, don't shrink back from your faithful allegiance to King Jesus.